All right, First Peter chapter 3, let's look what it says in verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation, coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of the plaiting of hair and the wearing of gold and the putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Now, who do y'all think is getting preached at tonight after reading that passage? Who do y'all think? Wrong. All right, because I knew that's what you'd think. But I'm not preaching at the ladies tonight, all right, ladies? I promise, you know, this message, uh, you'll probably uh, like this one. But notice, all right, so notice all these instructions that are given there. And we love these passages, too, because we live in a world that is infested with feminism. That is just disgusting. It is repulsive. It, I mean, it, it's degraded women in such a horrible way. It is, I, it, I just, don't get me going on feminism, right? That's not what I'm preaching about tonight. But, you know, because we live in a world where feminism is running rampant, because we live, you know, we have churches today where preachers are afraid to preach the truth about, you know, wives and their role and the husbands, you know, we, you, you know, you sometimes we can kind of. really know about women you know <laughs> it's like it's one of the great mysteries right you know we're, we're, all, we're all still trying to figure that out and uh you know it, we, we often we often get ourselves in trouble and have a lot of problems but uh notice though it also says giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel so her, the, that wife she is that weaker vessel and there's an honor that we need to give and the title of the message tonight is giving honor unto the weaker vessel. So often, husbands, we just go all nuts. We get real excited over verse 1 through 6, but then we completely ignore verse 7. And so what does it mean to dwell with them according to knowledge? So based on just what we've read here in 1 Peter 3 so far, let's just look at a few things. Let's look at a few realities for the ladies right here. So first off, they have been commanded to be in subjection to their husbands, even if they're not saved. We see that in here, where it's talking about how they need to, you know, win the husband with their chase conversation. That's a pretty big command, isn't it? That'd be tough. You know, that would be tough, especially if you get saved after you get been married, and now you're married to this lost man, and you've got to submit to him. Or how about being married, how about submitting to a saved man who's just not a very good husband? That's a pretty big uh, responsibility, isn't it? That's, that can't be easy. Yeah, I, I know most ladies in here that's probably been difficult in marriages at time or two submitting to your husbands. You know, my wife's never struggled with that, but some of you ladies had because, you know, your husbands weren't perfection, right? But that's what you've been called to do, and, and it's challenging. So, uh, so another thing, they've been called to be chaste and to have a good conversation, even when there is bad leadership. Imagine trying to be a godly lady you know, who's not doing all the worldly stuff, not doing the, that outward adorning like it was talking about here, while being married to a lost man. 
or just not a very good Christian. That's a reality for a lot of ladies today. There's a lot of there's a lot of women out there who go to church and their husbands don't go with them. They don't support them in these things, and they want to live godly. They want to be godly, and they've got this boat anchor around their neck that they've got to deal with every day of a crummy husband, a lost husband, or maybe just one that's backslidden, not right with God. Man, that's tough. That's that's a tough job for the ladies to do. They've been called to follow their husband's leadership with confidence. I notice how it says um, in verse six, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughter ye are, as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. It's got to be scary sometimes just following that guy when he's wanting to move you somewhere, move you to another location. He's wanting to start another job. He's wanting to start a business. And you know what? Every lady in here has had to follow their husband through some scary water sometimes. He's taking you on, you know, figuratively speaking, on some boat rides through some pretty crazy storms. You've all, if you've been married for any length of time, you've experienced that. And here you are, you know, you feel kind of helpless because you've been called to follow this man. And he's taking you somewhere. You don't even really know where you're going. And you know what God's called you to do? God's told, called you to submit to him, to be supportive of him. And that can't be easy. Okay? We're supposed to dwell with them according to knowledge. We need to understand what they're dealing with. And this is the reality. This is what we're seeing here. We often don't think of that. We just think, submit. You know, get back in the kitchen, Rachel Maddow. You know, get back in the kitchen. You know, whoever the, some other famous uh, feminist is. We see they've been called to bear children. Now, right there, right there ought to cause us to say with women, you know, Man, we're for you. We respect you. We want to help you. That's, I mean, that's a burden no man can even imagine. Calling to bear children, they've been called to be a keeper of the home. Most of us would rather go work a physical job digging ditches than staying home, cleaning house, and changing diapers all day. I mean, am I wrong? I'd rather go dig the ditch. That's me right there. I'm not even going to lie about that. They've been called to do that. They've been called, that, that's a pretty big deal. They no longer have power over their own body. We see in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 3, let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together that Satan tempt you, not for your incontinency. So, I mean, not having power of your own body, that's a really big deal. When your wife said, I do, and when she married you, I mean, she basically, you know, offered herself and her body to you. And that's a that's a big deal right there. That is a really big deal. And so after we've, you know, all these things that we've said, all these things that the Bible has shown, here's the important question. In a marriage... Who gets the better end of the deal? Who's sacrificing more? I mean, men, you know, obviously we have the responsibility to provide, pay bills. You're not going to have as much money for, you know, that fancy set of golf clubs and buy as many guns and things as you'd like. But at the same time, you know what? You know, men, you know, they, they enjoy the physical relationship. They enjoy having the wife cook for them, clean for them, all those things. At the end of the day, who gets the better end of the deal? the guys get the better end of the deal. And you know what? Maybe that's why the Bible says, whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtain the favor of the Lord instead of whoso findeth a husband. <laughs> maybe that's why. I mean, it seems like the Bible would agree that it's the husband that gets the great deal. It's like, man, you found a wife, you found a good thing. It doesn't say anything for the wife. Now, I'm not trying to create a doctrine off something that's not stated, but I don't think I'm that far off when I see this right here. Because it makes sense. That's Proverbs 18 and verse 22. So here's the thing. When a woman says, I do, a man who has some knowledge of what she has just agreed to, if he has half a brain in his head, you know what his attitude is going to be? Thank you. Or, you know, boy, am I lucky. Or better yet, you know, God has really shown me favor. That should be the attitude. But you know what? There's an attitude out there today that disgusts me, that makes me want to vomit, that makes me want to just start throwing down with somebody, beating somebody up. And that's this attitude that because you are of the male gender, okay, because you were born a male, 
Because you have certain body parts that because of that, just some drop-dead gorgeous woman should be willing to just show up at your doorstep ready to cook and clean and do all these things and just submit to you, calling you Lord. And that's the attitude some guys have. They have this attitude of, you know what, where's that gorgeous girl ready to call me Lord and just do everything for me? Do you realize what some, you know, any woman who has to live with you and do all these things, do you realize what you're asking of her? It, you know, there's some things that when you ask, you should understand that's a really big deal. Like, you know, you have people come up to you sometimes and they'll just ask you for money or something like you just got, like you're just made out of money. You know, like we'll have people call the church, want us to pay all their bills. And it's like, you know, how much money do you think we really have? You know, and they just have this entitlement attitude. And there's guys out there because they're of the male gender. They'll look at some woman that's single and think that, you know, they are entitled to her body and her service and her to just give up her life and what she does. How dare she get a job? How dare she go get an education? How dare she go get some career? She should be out there waiting for me to just come along and then her to just come serve me. Listen, you're crazy. You don't realize that what she is going to have to do, give up, sacrifice to be your wife is a big deal. And you know what? You better bring something to the table. You better bring something to the table. You better be somebody that somebody will want. You know, you ought to have a job. You ought to be able to, you ought to be able to prove you can provide for this girl. You ought to be able to prove that, you know what? I'm able to take care of you. If you're going to do all these things for me, I'm going to, I'm going to take good care of you. I'm going to help you dress nice. I'm going to give you a nice place to live because that's what you'll do if you appreciate it. If, if I have a job I need someone to do, I'm not just going to go out in the street and tell somebody, you know what? You're entitled to come work for me. I need this work done. You know what I have to do? I have to tell somebody, if you come do this work for me, I'm going to pay you and I'm going to pay you good. I'm going to take care of you. You'll be happy doing this job. You've got to convince some girl out there that if you, if you marry me, you're going to live pretty good. I'm going to love you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be a good husband. And But what do we have today? We have punks out there beating their chest just to, with unrealistic expectations. And you know what? It absolutely sickens me. It disgusts me. You have these guys, they get married, and they do. They treat their wives like servants, and they bring nothing to the table. And then what do they do? They're sorry, pathetic husbands. And then they, what do they do? They bring up 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 6. Or not 1 Corinthians, 1 Peter uh, 3, 1 through 6. And then they throw out verse 7. You know what? You stink. You disgust me. You're a sorry husband. Your wife shouldn't leave you and divorce you. But if she does, I don't blame her. Because I would if I was her. You know, I, I'd, I'd dump your backside so fast, I'd have never married you in the first place. If, if that's how you are. And let me, let me tell you something, dads. Watch out for guys like this. They come along and they just have this attitude that they're just entitled to your daughter. You know what? Make, it, make them work for it a little bit. You know what? I mean, make them come talk to you. Make them come convince you that they are worthy of your daughter. Make them uncomfortable. Be cleaning your guns when they do it. Take them out target practicing and show them how good you shoot those guns. You know, just, you know, do, do something. You know, just show them your guns and knife collections and all the, th- you know, ways you know to torture people and kill people. I mean, you know, whatever you got to do, you know, just, you know, and if he really wants her, he'll put in the effort. He'll do it. And so, this attitude, man, it just disgusts me. They think that because they're the male gender, you know, they deserve a supermodel. It's still a supermodel after having 14 kids for her. It's calling them Lord. Just, you know, and I said that there's, there's this keyboard warrior attitude out there today that people think that, because, that, you know, all they've done is taken an intellectual position on something. They've literally never done anything with it. You know, like I'm a hardcore whatever. You know, I, I've got strong standards on dress. You know, I believe women ought to wear flower sacks, you know, that, you know, from their necks all the way down to their feet, you know, just, I mean, no, just, you you know, you know how the crazy people are out there, but you know what? They've never had a wife and they've never had any daughters, but they've got that position. I believe this. And they'll go out there on social media. They'll run their mouths about it. They'll go showing pictures of other people, calling them all whores. Man, what's wrong with these husbands? You know, they're just whooped. They're beat up. But hey, punk, 
You've never done anything. I mean, you can't even lead a horse to water. I mean, you can't do anything, but yet you have declared this extreme position on yourself, and now you're going to go running everybody else down. It's like you've got pastors out, or not even pastors, you've got punks out there that they have taken a super strong position on qualifications of a bishop. And they're going to run down everybody that doesn't meet up to their standard, a, a standard that's in their mind, one that they've got in their head. And the thing is, they've never lived up to it. They don't meet that qualification, but they're ready to run everybody down. And they, and so you've got guys out there, they've got these extremely high standards for women, but you know what? They've never had a woman. They've never lived up to anything. And they think because they have just an intellectual position on something that they are now a hardcore Christian. Know what you are? A blowhard. You're a big mouth is what you are. You verbally stating an extreme position, it means nothing. You've done nothing. You've accomplished nothing. And I don't care. I'll give more credit to Pastor Twinkletoes out there that's got the you know lowest standard in the world if he's actually accomplished something, led something, done something. You have only ever read your, run your mouth. So you stink. You're irrelevant to the conversation. I hate this keyboard warrior mentality out there. And I hate nothing more than listen to a keyboard warrior punk get up there and just declare all these extreme things for women to do when they don't even have a wife. Or even some guy who's got children, young children, watch out for the person who has it. He's married. He's got his two kids, but they're like two. And then he's just given all these extreme qualifications my children are going to be, you know, they need to be in subjections. My kids aren't allowed to do this. They're not allowed to do that. Well, let's see if you still have that when your kids are teenagers, because that's when most people start throwing things out. Let me see what, let me see where you stand after you've actually raised a teenager. But you know what you have? You got guys out there that have never done it, but boy, they sure stand strong on things. And then you've got, they've got all their lemming loser followers that, yeah, I agree with that too. Okay, great. You don't have any kids. You don't matter. You don't know what you're talking about. You have no knowledge on this subject. And so this attitude, a lot of people are taking this demented attitude and they're conning some poor girl into marrying them and they're bringing this into marriage and they, it is horrible what they do to these women. I can't even imagine, you know, being a woman in that position, I can't imagine as a father having a daughter married to someone like that. And a guy who would declare himself a hardcore Christian too thinks he's all that in a bag of chips. I can't even imagine how horrible you for my daughter to be married to somebody like that. I, I can't I can't even imagine. And we don't want we don't want to do that. So you you can said so you might take the most extreme position on women being in subjection, but if you don't have a wife, who cares? Great, you have that position. Come talk to me after you've actually made a woman happy with that for several years. Then come talk to me then. You know, you might make your wife call you Lord but if she's miserable and hates you, who cares? Let me tell you something. If some guy ever comes and seeing my daughter and tells him he wants her to call her Lord when they get married, I'm going to try to stop that thing as fast as I can. I'm going to do it. Listen, you should be thankful if a girl wants to marry you. What are you doing putting all those demands on her like that? And you haven't done nothing yet. It's just, boy, ladies, be careful who you marry out there. There are, there are some... Just epic loser punks out there. So you might have the highest standards in the world for child rearing, but if you don't have any kids, who cares? I don't care about your standards. I don't, I don't want to hear about them. You, you've got nothing. If you don't have any kids, if you don't have any teenagers, you have nothing to offer me. That, that, that's all. That's all there is to it. You know, you have an intellectual position. I can listen. Maybe if you read something somewhere, but at the end of the day, I, I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to be that worried about it. And so, you know, this is just kind of a side thing. You know, never follow the lead of keyboard warriors. There's a lot of people out there that are not real confident in what they're doing, and they're always trying to please their Facebook friends and keyboard warriors, pastors they don't know. And it's like, you know, don't do that. Never just blindly follow anybody, even a pastor. Wait and see what he actually does. Okay? If a pastor has super high standards for raising teenagers and he doesn't have any teenagers... Follow his advice after he's raised teenagers and then see what he's doing. In the mean, if he doesn't have any, yeah, well, in the meantime, to watch somebody else and figure out what they've done. That, you know, that's, that's what you need to do.
And so when a husband has some knowledge and he has some understanding about what a woman has done, when she she has married him, he will value what he has. He will see see the value. And so again, verse 7, likewise ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. If you're not treating your wife right, you know what? Your relationship with God is not going to be right. You know what I'm saying, too? You marry my daughter, you don't treat my daughter right, we're not going to have a very good relationship. You know what? God also loves my daughter. And if you don't treat your wife right, God loves your wife, you are not going to have a good relationship with God. You better make her happy. And that's one of the biggest things with me. The biggest thing with me is not going to be, you know, what items on the checklist do you have? What standards do you have? My, you know what I'm worried about? Is my daughter happy? You make her happy. That's the biggest thing I've got. And so what does it mean, though, to give honor under the, as under the weaker vessel? Well, first thing it means, it means to cherish her. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 28, right? To to honor something or to value something. I believe it means to cherish it. In Ephesians 5, 28, it says, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. That's often in most marriage vows, to love, honor, and cherish. We all cherish things that we love, things that are precious, Thing, if, if you have something that's precious, something that is rare, you cherish that. And when you get a wife, this isn't something that you were just, you know, you know, obligated to get. This wasn't something that was just handed to you. This is a rare thing. Hopefully, it's the only one you're ever going to have. And so, you know what you're going to do? You're going to take good care of it. You're going to cherish it. All right? What does that mean? Well, the way men can relate to this, you know, treat her the way maybe you treat the new car. And women hate when you compare them to cars. But you know what? There's a lot of guys out there. They treat their cars better than they treat their women. And what do you do when you get that new car? You don't ride that thing like a hot rod. You know, you you baby that thing, don't you? You know why? Because you've got this brand new car and you love this car. Man, this is a valuable car. You know, it's got, you know, and and so what do you do? You're going to take care of it. You know what you're going to do? You know, you're going to take it to the car wash. You're going to park it in a nice garage. You know, you're going to go, when you park it in a parking lot, you're going to go park it real far away. So, you know, nobody opens their doors and, you know, messes up the paint job. You know, you're, you're going to, you know, anything does happen to it, you're going to get it fixed. You're going to take care of it. Why? Because you cherish that car. And you know what? When it comes to your wife, you ought to want to do what you can to protect her. You ought to want to do what you can to shelter her, to make sure that she's not getting dinged up and beat up and all these things are going on. That's what you do with something that you cherish. I've seen guys who cherish their golf clubs more than they cherish their wives. They get a, they buy a new set of golf clubs and what do they do, man? They get the nicest bag. They get all the nice covers on them. After they take a swing and use them, they're cleaning those things off, just keeping them all polished up, keeping them looking nice because these are good golf clubs. They're really expensive. And you know what? They're not going to be out there throwing those golf clubs when they mess up. They baby those things. Now, when I golf, I don't want, you know, you don't want me to treat my wife like I do my golf clubs. I actually bought some golf clubs one time just for throwing in creeks. I found them at a garage, so they're real cheap. When I mess up, I love to throw them. They were only like a few bucks, and I'm like, it's one of the best feelings in the world when you mess up to just throw your golf club as far as you can into a pond. I've done it before, and it it is. But the thing is, if you spend a lot of money, you're not going to do that. And you know what? You You don't cherish something that you get for nothing. And that's why some guys don't cherish their wife. They got her for nothing. They didn't have to do anything. You know why? Because that girl wasn't taught that she had any value. And she just let that punk come along and convince her, because he's of the male gender, that she should serve him and marry him. You know what? Make them work for it. And then maybe they'll cherish it. Maybe they will appreciate them. You know, I mean, and you know how many men are out there, too? Because it, uh, it says in uh, Ephesians 5, it says, For no man ever yet hated his own flesh. There's a lot of guys out there, they cherish their bodies. You know, they're always going, going to the gym, working out, trying to make themselves all look great. You know, they buy themselves the nicest hair stuff and, you know, body washes. They do all these things because they're just going to take care of this wonderful body that they've got. Then they treat their wife like trash. They don't take good care of her. You know, they 
And they've got this attitude that because she's his wife, they can just be abusive to her and they can just do whatever they want, not taking any consideration and just, you know, how she feels, not having any idea of what women deal with and, you know, the uh, just physical things. You know, guys, let's just face it. We don't know what it's like to be a woman. We have no idea what it's like to be a woman and guys need to understand that. You know, guys want the nice, you know, guys want the nicest car for, or garage for their car, nicest bag for their clubs, but then they want to dress their wife in a flower sack. That's pretty sad. I, I do, man, I, I know women that are married to men like this and it's, it's bad. And so you cherish something that's rare and precious because you, you realize he that findeth the wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. I was very blessed to be able to get this woman. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hang on to her. I'm going to take care of her. She's mine. No one else is getting her because she's she's something special. That needs to be your attitude. So it means to cherish her. It also means that you will respect her needs even though you may not understand them. And guess what? You're probably not going to understand them. Genesis 3.16 says unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now, we love that part, too. Rule over my wife. Okay, when we, what do we think of when we think of a ruler? We think of Adolf Hitler. You know, but you know what? A ruler doesn't have to be an Adolf Hitler. You know, you can be a ruler and be a blessing. A good ruler is actually loved by his subjects. He's loved by his people, but a lot of people have this idea there's some dictator that's abusive. No, but notice, so, and yes, it does say he shall rule over thee. Yes, husbands are in authority over the wife, but we're dwelling with them according to the knowledge. Notice what God said also, I'm going to greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. It is a painful thing for a woman to give birth to a child. And so I get it. Listen, you've taken... Listen, you've taken this hardcore position. I'm hardcore. No birth control. We're having 25 kids. We're going to beat the Duggars. And my wife's got to deal with it unless she's just not right with God. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. She's got pain. You don't. If you cherish her, you're going to realize, you know what? I probably better take some things into consideration. I probably ought to see how she feels about this i probably you know, and uh, I, i'm the head of the home i'll decide i get it but you're also supposed to give honor under as under the weaker vessel i mean listen is it physically difficult for me to have children i didn't have any pain in the hospital except for the pain of watching her be in pain that's pretty tough <laughs> it's, it's you know it, it's pretty tough but you know it's real easy for me to get up and say all right get ready to carry another child for nine months and then give birth. You know, I mean, I, that's easy for me to say. But is it e physically easy for her? Absolutely not. She's got the difficult part here. So because, and so I get it. I'm the authority, but I'm supposed to do it according to knowledge. And you know what? I don't think she was screaming when she was giving birth to that baby just to make noise. I think it probably hurt. That, you know, it looks like a pretty painful thing when women give birth to babies. And so, you know what? It's okay for you to talk to your wife about these things and to see how she feels about things. And you don't have to feel like, uh, you know, I'm just some weak husband that's not ruling my house. No, you know, here's what you're doing. You're finding out what she can handle. You know what you're doing? You're being a good ruler. You know, we can't just go and just put things on people they're not capable of doing. You can't do that. That's a terrible thing to do. You don't want to, you know, you don't want your boss at work putting a workload or a production number on you that's impossible to do. You, you, that, that's abusive. And you're going to want to quit that job. And if you're just putting more on your wife than she's capable of handling, you know what? She's going to want to quit you. She's just, she's going to want to give up. You cannot do that. Don't let that happen. And so since we can't understand the pain of childbearing, you know, let your wife have some say. In these things, since we don't know what it's like to be a keeper of the home, we should probably have some understanding, you know, at the end of the day when your wife's tired and maybe doesn't feel up to doing what you want to do. You know, I get it. You know, you got to sit around the office all day. You know, maybe it wasn't that physical day for you, but for your wife, 
it probably was. And so here's what here's the thing too, guys. If you actually dwell with them according to knowledge, and I get it, guys. There's things that we want, okay? There's there's things that we want, but understand, just because you have a title, I don't believe you need to have this attitude. She's entitled to just give me everything I want. You know what you should do? You should attempt to make her want to give you what you want to do. You know what you might, and so you, what you might need to do sometimes, you know, and it, it's going to be different in every relationship, but you know, you might need to hire a babysitter. You might need to take her out for dinner. You know, you might need to give her a break. You know, you might just need to think, all right, you know what? This is what I want to do tonight. If she's going to want to do what I want to do tonight, I'm probably going to have to do a bunch of stuff to get her to want to do that tonight. And you know what? Be willing to do it. Instead of just going and saying, I'm the husband, do it. You know, again, how is that cherishing your wife? And I got to be careful what I'm saying tonight, but I think, I, I think everybody, uh, you know, catches what I'm saying right here. But these are things that you need to do. You know, since we don't know what it's like to have female hormonal issues, you know, we may, we, we might need to realize we're probably not the best experts on what they need to do to get it together. I, I mean, I get it. Sometimes it's just like, you know, women, their emotions go crazy and they go crazy and, you know, and, and, you know, what's our expert advice? Get it together. You know, snap out of it. You know, I, you know, that's our advice, right? I think it's great advice, but it never works. <laughs> you know, it, it, you know it, it, it never works. But the thing is, you know, we need to understand women do have real hormonal issues. You know, after women have babies, they have postpartum stuff. And, you know, they've got things that, you know, us guys, we're never going to understand. And so what we probably need to do is realize that we are not the psychological experts that they need at a time when they're going psycho. You know, where, where, you know, we, and what we probably should do is allow them, you know, to talk to other women and talk to other ladies and get some advice. And, you know, they might need to do something that, you know, doesn't go along with, you know, our advice for things. And, uh, you know, so just, you know, take those things into consideration and, you know, trying not, you know, I said, trying to think of how to say some of these things, you know, in a proper way that, you know, is family friendly and also too won't get me in trouble and things like that. But, you know, so again, you know, I'm a guy, I'm a man, I don't like medicine, I don't like pills for anything, you know, I, I just don't want to take that stuff. And I think I can handle it, I think I know how to power through it, I think I know my body. I know what it needs, when it needs it, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I don't know my wife's body. I don't know what it needs, you know, when it needs it for all that stuff. And you know what? She might need something. You know, if, if I'm having a bad day, sometimes all I need to just kind of help me out, get in a better frame of mind is just a Dr. Pepper. All right. You know, I mean, you know, the ladies, they might need something a little more powerful. I, I don't know. Okay. I don't know about these things. I I don't want to know. But at the same time. Just, you know, understand your prescription of Dr. Pepper is probably not going to help your wife. And so if she consults somebody who actually knows about these things and they give different advice than your Dr. Pepper, then you just need to understand I should probably, you know, keep an eye on things and let her do this stuff. Are we catching what I'm saying on this? You know, I... So don't make me say more than what I'm saying on a lot of these things, but all of these things take time to figure out. And that's why you need to stay married to one person and figure each other out. Don't start all over again. That's the worst thing you could possibly do. I mean, it, it, take, it takes a lot of years to get to where, you know, you can go a few months without there being some kind of major war. Do you really want to start again with another woman? That's the worst thing you could possibly do. Stick to the one that you've got and figure these things out. Work through the problems. And, you know, and, and you do. You, you learn stuff. You, you learn how to time things. You know, you learn. You know, one of the things that I learned early in our marriage, when she makes something I don't like, don't tell her that day. You know, wait, wait a week or so later when she's in a good mood, you're talking about meals, 
And then, you know, and when she's asking what she should get for groceries, say, hey, you know that one meal you made? That was really good. Make sure you get that again. But then that other meal you made, you know, that lasagna or whatever, you know, you don't need to make that for me anymore. You know, you, I, you don't need to get that. You know, that helps a lot. While you're there eating the food, don't bring it up. <laughs> These are the lessons that you, that you learn uh, through marriage, sometimes the hard way. So uh, <laughs> it takes time. And that's why in Matthew 19 and verse 5, it says, And for this cause for, uh, shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. When you become one flesh, that's, you know, it, over time, you're going to learn about that woman. You know, you think about this too. Like me, I know my body really well. Okay. I know anything I eat. I know how it's going to affect me. When you're, you know, I'm 40 now and I know how things are going to affect me. I know what it's going to do to my digestive system. I know how it's going to make me feel. You know, I said, I like the caffeine. I like the Dr. Pepper. I love a monster energy drink. But I also know when I should drink one and when I shouldn't. So if I drink a monster at the wrong time, it messes me up. But I, I know when I can and I know when I shouldn't. I, I know how things are going to affect me. I know how things are going to be affected on the scale the next day. And you know what? Exactly what I thought was going to happen on the scale this morning happened. I knew it yesterday when we went to the Chinese buffet. I knew it was going to move. That scale was going to move in the wrong direction, and it did. <laughs> uh, it, I, I really, I really went nuts at that Chinese buffet. It was worth it though. But I know my body that well, and and that's happened over time. When I was younger, I used to eat stuff and overeat and get stomach aches. It hardly ever happens to me anymore because I know what things are going to do to me. I know what certain combinations of food are going to do to me, and so I don't do those things. And I learn those things through trial and error. And you know what? When you're married to a woman, you're going to do a bunch of things that's going to get her all crazy, that's going to make her all upset. But you know what? Then you learn, hey, don't do that. Or you learn, I can do that, but I got to do it at this time. I got to do it in this way. You learn over time. And so, again, though, if you have this self-centered attitude, it's all about me because I'm the head of the home, you're not going to even factor in any of that stuff. You're just always going to have this attitude, what's wrong with my wife? I don't understand it. I was gone all day. I was playing golf. I was doing this. She was at home, homeschooling the kids like a wife should do, cooking and cleaning like a wife should do. You know, she's doing all these things. I came home. She made me supper, which his wife is supposed to do. And after she did all that work all day, for some reason, she doesn't want to do what I want to do at night. What's going on? She's not a very good wife. No, you don't know your wife very well. That, that's a problem right there. And you're not giving that honor unto as unto the weaker vessel. So you're going you're gonna to figure these things out over time, and you'll know what's going to help and, and, and what's going to hurt. So, because um, it, it's if a part of your individual body isn't working out, you need to find out what's wrong. If you've got something on your body that's hurting, that's in pain, you find out what's wrong. If you have to, you go see a doctor. Like, hey, you know, something's not working right. I got some pain. And since the woman is the weaker vessel, the husband needs to take the lead in those things. If things just are, are struggling with your wife and that part of your flesh just isn't doing too well, you know what you need to do? You need to look into it. You need to take care of it. You need to figure it out. And if her you know, doing better is going to be more difficult on you, if it means you're going to have to get your lazy carcass off the couch and do something, you know what? You ought to be willing to do it because that's the, she's the weaker vessel. I'm going to do the more difficult thing. And, and so we've got to understand the last thing here is that also giving honor unto her as the weaker vessel, it means there are some roles that you need to feel, fill because you're stronger. Okay? And this is politically incorrect, but this is just true. Let me give you a few verses here. Exodus chapter 18 verse 20 says, And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws and shalt show them the way wherein they must walk, and the work they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds and rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. Men were supposed to be the leaders. It was men. Men were supposed to be the leaders. Men are supposed to be leading things. Men are supposed to be the ones making the decision. That does not give them the right 
to oppress people. It doesn't give them the right to make them miserable. If a man is a leader over hundreds, maybe for in a battle or whatever, that doesn't give him the right to just go send these guys on a suicide mission. He should be realized, these guys are in my charge. I need to take care of these guys. I need to protect them. I need to lead them to victory. And just because you are the head of your wife doesn't mean you get to lead her off a cliff. It doesn't mean you get to lead her to your own destruction. If you're a leader of a hundred in a physical battle, you go out and fight that battle. You ought to be in the front lines of that battle with those men behind you. And when it comes to the things you put your wife through, you ought to be in the front lines of that. You ought to be taking the arrows. You ought to be taking the hits before she does. You know why? Because she's a weaker vessel. And if you're the general in the battle or, you're, or whatever, you should be the better fighter. You should be the stronger one. And unfortunately, it's like guys in the way they're leading things today, they're having their wife take the lead while they just sit back on the couch and bark orders. That's not how that works. I get it. You're the ruler, but you know what? You lead by example. You put yourself in the front lines. She's the weaker vessel. They ought to have to get through you before they get through her. So men are supposed to be the leaders. We see also in Numbers chapter 1 and verse Two. We'll turn over there, but here's the, let me say this too. Not all women who lead are bad people. Okay, let me say that again. Not all women leaders are bad people. Sometimes women lead out of necessity because they have a deadbeat husband. That's all there is to it. You got these guys out there that act like women should never have a job. Well, you know why some women have jobs? Because their sorry, pathetic husband won't go get a job. And they're not willing to let their kids starve while the husband will. And that, you know what? That's pathetic. That is a spot on that man. You've got deadbeat guys out there that have taken this intellectual position that women should never have jobs, women should do all these things. Well, in the meantime, they've got an ex-wife out there raising their kids, working a job while they're a deadbeat dad that won't even pay child support. And yet they, they have these intellectual positions. They are scum. Okay, and I don't care. And these people, oh, I'm a soul winner. No, you're a scummy soul winner. Okay, I hope these people you give the gospel to never find out who you are and how you are and what you represent because you give the cause of Christ a black eye through your sorry lifestyle. That's all there is to it. So I'm not impressed with people like that. A lot of women lead today because men are just failing and they just don't want to see their family starve. They don't want to see things fall apart. And so don't, you know, don't be mean to those women. You know what? Be mean to their pathetic husbands or the men who impregnated them. And everybody wants to blame the women. But men are supposed to be the fighters and protectors. Numbers 1, 2 says, Take ye the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel after their families by the house of their fathers and number their names, every male by their poles from 20 years old and upward, all that are able to go forth to war in Israel Thou and Aaron shall number them by their armies. Guess who's supposed to be doing the fighting? Guess who's supposed to be in the military today? The men. Males. Males are the ones that do that. Now, we live in a world today where women join combat. You know what? That's pathetic. That's wrong. They shouldn't be there. We shouldn't need them. Guy, and, and, you know, and we don't. Guys should be doing all that. Most women that are there today and getting these combat positions and things, they're there to be politically correct, to show women can... Again, that's that feminism problem we've got. And, but you know what? We have a feminism problem because men have failed to lead. So that, that's the truth right there. You know why women have needed to be emancipated and needing all these rights? Because they got stuck with sorry husbands. You know why you saw that rise of feminism and, and women's lib and all that stuff? Because in those early years, when men did have all the power, you know what they did? They abused the power. And women said, this stinks. I don't want to deal with this. But you know, the truth is, you know, there are people out there today who have wives that are in their proper biblical role, that are doing all the things that they're supposed to do. And you know what? They're fine with that. They want to stay in that. You know why? Because their husband's fulfilling his biblical role and he's keeping them happy in that position. And... The truth is, you know, listen, feminism is not being good to women. Okay? Feminism is not good to women. It's not good for their looks. I mean, look, look what it turns them into. It's pretty horrifying. They're crazier than regular women. I mean, you know, you know, they're, they're the ones that have a lot of the issues. 
But, you know, so at the same time, though, again, Christians, they should be the example. Our wives, if they're the ones being cherished, if they're the ones that are given honor, then fundamental Baptists would actually be attractive to decent women. They would want to get the fundamental Baptist guy. But unfortunately, we've got too many men in the fundamental Baptist world that all they have done, all they have succeeded in accomplishing is declaring a super high standard or intellectual position on something with absolutely no clue what they're doing, no ability to lead, no not following their part of 1 Peter chapter 3 and treating women like garbage and they're all miserable. And that's not right. We've got to set the example on this. We need to have the happier wives. When women, when, when lost women or just worldly women, they come and visit this church, they ought to see a group of ladies here that are better taken care of than they are. You know, I mean, you know, yeah, our wives are keepers at home and cook and clean and do a lot of things for us. But you know what? A lot of these other women, they got to cook and clean, do all these things and provide and a lot of things that, you know, they shouldn't have to do. That, and so we've got to make sure that we do, we should be the protectors. We should be the one on the front lines. We can't be making the women do everything. And it, I'm telling you, I think if we would, if, as men, if we would set the example on that, people would come to this church and think, man, these women are treated like royalty in this church. And you know what? Why wouldn't we treat them like royalty when you consider all that they do? I mean, think about who's growing this church more? The men who go soul winning trying to bring people in or the women that are giving birth to all these children? <laughs> so women giving birth to all these children. Well, you know, we do nice things for the soul winners. You know, we got ourselves a van and things. You know, we drive ourselves around. But, you know, you know let, let, let's have, you know, a nice, nice mother baby rooms. You know, let's try to make things comfortable. You know why? Because we want these women to keep having kids, Right? You know, let's take care of them. You know, when whenever we remodel the bathrooms, let's make the female bathrooms nicer than the man bathrooms. You know, let's let's do these things we care about. You know, we're looking into getting that kitchen done. And you know what? One of the reasons we're prioritizing the kitchen, okay? And all right, listen, you know, you hardcore IFB punks out there, you know, you know why you know why we're focusing on the kitchen first? Because I think the ladies want that done. Since they're the ones providing all the food and doing all that work, and it's really difficult without them being, and you know what, it's going to cost some money. It's going to, it's going to be expensive, but we've kind of prioritized that. And you know what, I think it's kind of smart because we keep them happy with their kitchen. We might actually keep them in the kitchen, <laughs> which produces all kinds of wonderful food for us to eat. <laughs> so you know what, you know what we're not going to do? We're not just going to go and put a big horse trough in there and pour, you know, and make them carry buckets of water in there to clean the dishes out like that. You know, we're going to get them a nice, good working sink and, you know, the nice appliances. We're going to do all these things. We're going to take care of them in there because if we do that, you know, we benefit from it, you know. And there, there's, I mean, I mean, you know, think about this. You know, like my, my, you know we're hoping to redo our kitchen this year. Uh, that, that's something we're really hoping to do. The Trump bucks going to help help out a little bit. And we're, we're trying to redo the kitchen in our house. And you know what? I have, I don't spend hardly any time in the kitchen at all. But you know what? My wife and my daughter spend an awful lot of time in there. And you know what? I'd kind of like for them to be happy while they're in that kitchen. You know why? Because the things they do in that kitchen make me very happy. And, you know, they could still get it done in the junkie. They're getting it done in the junkie kitchen. They're, they're getting it done. But you know what? I'm like, man, we've got a pretty good thing going here. I mean, even my wife, if she's down and can't do the cooking, my daughters, you know, they do a great job. And so it's like, you know what? I value that. I treasure that. Let's keep them happy. You know what? Don't be, you know, it, it's okay. If you buy the nicer stove and, uh, you know, I don't know. If, if they're asking for things for the kitchen, it's probably a good time. It's probably in your best interest to say, okay, yes, you know, let, let's do that. These these are good, and and the thing is, you should want to make these things easy for them, because again, they've got the work to do. They are the weaker vessel. You know, we got we should do the heavy lifting on physical things. You know, we can handle these things, 
but we should make an active effort to make things physically easy for them if we can. Yeah, you and I, we can carry buckets of water from the river if we need to, but do you really want your wife doing that? You know, do you, you know, I don't think that's a good idea, thinking you take care of her. And good women are getting harder and harder to come by. And so if you have a wife, you need to treasure her, be thankful for what you have, because you're not going to get any better than what you got. You know, that, that's all there is to it. That God's not going to bless better the next time. I mean, I get it. You know, there's people out there that are just married to absolute harpies right now. And, I mean, literally alone would be better than what they've got. But, you know, at, at the same time, you know, you, I, I don't think that's the case here. You're just, you're not going to do better just shopping around. You know what? Treat the one you have good, and I think you'll be happy with what turns out. I, I really do. And so if you do, if you do not have a wife, you need to make sure you have the proper attitude towards women. Because if you don't, they will figure it out. Her mom or her dad will figure it out, and they're not going to want to have anything to do with you. And so when you're, when you're thinking about that wife, don't just be thinking, you know what, I'm a male, therefore I deserve this and this and this and this. No, what you need to be thinking about, I want to get, if I want to get a wife, you know what, I need to, I need to go buy a house that a woman would love to have. You know, I need to make sure I've got a job that can provide an income that will take care of her and not make her, you know, just, you know, and think, thankfully my wife has struggled. A lot of women have struggled with their husband. You know, it was, it was tough starting out. But, you know, if you have an ability to make that easier, you need to understand she deserves it. If she's going to do all those things for you. She deserves it. And so you better, you better treasure it. Remember that. And so hopefully this will be a help to you. So with that, let's pray to your Lord. Thank you so much for your word, Lord. I thank you, uh, Lord, for the godly ladies in this church. I thank you for my wife. And, Lord, I pray you'll help every man in here to realize what he has and help us to uh, give that honor as under the weaker vessel. I pray we'll keep our focus right in there. And, Lord, I pray you'll help us to set an example. Lord, our world needs an example. Lord, the IFB needs an example on this. Lord, the, the IFBs dropped the ball in a lot of areas on this. And so I pray you'll help us to uh, make the difference there and... Uh, that will do what you've called us to do and not just expect them to do what you called them to do. In your name we pray. Amen. Please stand and turn to him.